Colossians 3.15, I read, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Isaiah 26.3 reads, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. We should have high aspirations. We should aspire to excel, to look ahead, and to gain the victory. And one of the great aspirations we should have is to have peace. We know what that means in a national sense, and we know the energy that's expended in seeking for peace. And you have experienced the futility of the effort many times because the hearts of men are not at peace. We should aspire to have peace in our hearts, peace in our families, peace in our church, peace in our community, peace in the world. But these aspirations notwithstanding, they will not all come to pass automatically, may never be achieved as far as the whole peace of the world is concerned until we come to the great millennial reign, when Christ shall rule the world. But between that, this day and that one, we are involved. And let's ask God today to help us to try hard to leave the conflicts and the strivings and all of the pushings and shovings in the world aside for this hour at least and think about how it would be if we could just shut our minds to that, shut ourselves in with God. That's not just a theory. That's a practical arrangement God has made for us to draw together like this in a holy communion with one purpose and one desire to please God. And if we please God, we will do what he said. The scriptures command us to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. The command of the Lord. But you may have run across people in your experience that seem to have a different attitude, a different calling, they think. That is, not to be peaceful or peaceable, but to wait for something to happen that might involve them that would show that they were not seekers after peace, but looking for a fight. This shouldn't be Christians, of course, but sometimes it gets too close to home to be funny. And God would have us to live in peace and to have peace in our hearts. And we can have the high privilege, if you will, of living in the will of God. And if we are in the will of God, we are at peace. We have peace. We are peaceable. Peacemakers. And blessed are they, for they shall, you know the Beatitudes, be blessed, of course, inherit the kingdom of heaven, have God's blessing now. Yes, we have the privilege to be among those who are living every day Amen. in peace. We all would like to have the blessing of God. We'd like to have that blessed hope of his soon coming. We'd like to live a life that's victorious, full of blessing, 
We want the joy of living. We want to have the sunshine of God's approval on our lives. We can have it if we will just do what he says. Follow peace with all men. Yes, and this, this command of the text says that let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called. We have to banish some things from our minds if we're going to have peace of mind. We can't just say, let the peace come in. We must push out those things that hinder that peace. We must think about the things that are lovely, of good report, true, and other such virtuous adjectives or adverbs or nouns or whatever you want to put on it. We want that, and we can put ourselves to doing that, saying, yes, I want it, and so I will control my mind, control my tastes, control my appetite, control my lusts in everything. I will let God rule in my heart. I'll let peace abound in my heart now and forevermore. If we do, we'll have peace, be peaceful, and we'll know the joy of the Lord. Yes, we'd like to have the peace of God in our heart, and it's a state that comes about by our letting God have his way. We should aspire to this now, not just for our own comfort. Oh, it's great to be at peace. No troubles. Everything is lovely. Everyone's enjoying each other. All of that. But this is not to be acquired or aspired for, too, for our own comfort or our own blessing. But we should want this, that we might be pleasing to God and that through that we might be a blessing to others. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Yes, thank the Lord for that. We should aspire to this, not for a selfish motive, but for God's glory. Paul was writing to this church at Colossae, and he was doing it from Rome in prison, and he was aspiring to teach them and to guide them into the ways of peace. Now, he had known some of the effects of people who were not peaceful. He was imprisoned. He was stoned dragged out of the city and left for dead. The people around Paul were not peaceful, not by a long ways. But even in the midst of that environment, Paul still told these Christians, these Colossians, that they should let the peace of God rule in their hearts. When someone fights, don't fight back. When someone scolds, don't yell at them. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that's what he meant exactly. This doesn't mean that we are called to weakness, that we are to vacillate about everything and never take a stand, of course. It's not weakness he's called us to, but to strength. Be strong in the Lord, we're admonished. Be of good courage. Doubt not. Pray, always pray and not faint. These seemingly routes that some people would call too humble and too lowly for them to pursue. These are the true routes to peace and to strength and to faith and finally to heaven. And stopping short of doing what God says to will cause us to have our way blocked, have our forward advance stopped, 
We'll find ourselves as a fish dead in the water unless we do what God says do, and that is let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Amen. We must. If we are to do this, if we are to put on Christ, put on the armor of God, live in the love of God, and let peace rule in our hearts, there are some things that must go. I've heard people explain their Oh, I guess you would call it their meanness or at least their willingness to fight and always be involved in somebody's troubles and many times no, no concern of theirs, but they're always involved. I've heard them say, well, that's just me. I guess that's the way I am. I guess I always will be. Okay, help yourself. Stay there if you want to. But that's not the way of peace. That is not happiness. No one is happy until they're at peace with themselves and at peace with God, really. If you're envious, doubtful, jealous, oh, all of these things can control you, and they do. People literally get controlled by something that seems to be an imp out of the depths of hell. By being so jealous, they can't think of a thought that isn't jealous. Or envious, proud, arrogant, covetous, all these things do not produce the peace. So we take these things and say, I will not entertain them. I will leave them out of my life. And if I've had problems along these lines, I will banish them by doing something positive to show I'm not bound by these things that I ought not to be bound with. So we put these things off that we might put on Christ. In other words, we repent of all wrongdoings, all sins. And in repentance, we take the very childish explanation for what sin is. Repenting for sin is. Someone asked the child, what does it mean to repent? The child said, be so sorry you won't do it, that you won't do it again. Very good, very good definition. So we know some things have not profited. So just don't do them again. Don't even consider them. Give them a wide berth. Let them go on by. If someone else does it, and even gains materially by it. Don't you worry about that. There's a day coming when the earth will melt with fervent heat and all that therein is. All these things shall pass away, but God's word abideth ever. Amen. Scriptures will still say, follow peace with all men when the world's on fire. God's word will not change. So don't set your affections on things of this world, but on things above. Look for a higher walk. Some are so satisfied to go the low route, the one that lets all these things possess their lives and control them, when all the time they might take a lowly, humble route by praying, repenting, coming to God with faith, asking God for mercy. Very humble, very low, isn't it? But that is the way to the higher route. Someone has said, the way up in the Christian faith is down. That means humble yourself in the sight of God, and he'll exalt you in due season. Amen. The proud he will abase. The self-sufficient will find that their self-sufficiency doesn't go far enough. We need God, and we'll have him if we let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Let us do it. Amen. Put off the old man. Set your affections on things above. There's something different about that. You don't meet it around every corner. People are ready to turn loose of the world and humbly follow God. Prefer their brother above their self. 
speak evil of no man. Oh, all of those things are not around the corner, but they're in God's book. And God's storehouse is full. And there's enough for everyone. Amen. Let's try it. Let's believe it. Now, how does this happen? It comes about by a miracle, of course. We have to have a change, or we can never do what this book says do. We have to have some outside help. Now, that to some people is so humiliating. They're self-made men. They're self-made women. They got this far on their own knowledge, their own ingenuity, their own shrewdness. And so they'd thank you. I don't need any help. Well, all right, you're there. But if you want peace of heart, it'll come some way besides money. It'll come some route besides prestige. It'll come some way besides a plot of men. You are blessed when all men speak evil of you and persecute you for righteousness' sake. That's what the book says. We don't look for that. Our natural tendency is to avoid that, and none of us pray for persecution. We don't pray for a hard hardships. Of course we don't. But enough of them will come without asking for them. But be prepared to go through them in God's route, in God's way, and you'll have the victory. Amen. Elijah was a prophet of God, great man of God. Elisha was plowing in the field. Elijah came by him. Elijah was human. He'd been discouraged, had some experiences along that line. But God had spoken to him and said, You aren't through yet. You must do several things yet. One of them was appoint a prophet in your room. A couple of kings had to be anointed yet. So he goes by the field when the man's plowing, went out in the field and cast his mantle, the mantle upon a man named Elisha. And Elisha felt something then that was a supernatural happening. Just like you will feel if you wholly yield your life to God without reservation. If you haven't done it yet, you have a great experience coming. Amen. Just like that mantle touching Elisha. When God's man stopped by, that mantle touched Elisha. He left the plow. He said, let me go to my house and bid them farewell at my house. Then I'll come. But Elijah says, what have I done to you? He went to bid them farewell. They finally broke up the wooden plows and used them for firewood and boiled the oxen, had a feast. Then Elisha followed Elijah. Later on, Elijah said to Elisha, what do you want from me? What do you, what do you desire? He said, a double portion of your spirit. Now, mind you, Elijah was a man that had the ravens feed him by the brook. The brook dried up. He went into a village and God told a widow in that village to feed this lowly prophet, Elijah. And she did. And God performed a miracle to feed her family and Elijah. Yes, all of this took place all right. Then this man Elijah passes on this call, so to speak, to Elisha by at least letting him know that God touched your life. And he said, if you want a double portion of my spirit... You've asked a hard thing. We haven't told you today that to really let the peace of God rule in your heart will be an easy, automatic thing. It doesn't come in automatic drive. It comes with a purpose saying, I want that. So Elisha said to Elijah, I want it. And Elijah said, if you see me when I'm taken, you'll have it. But if you don't see me when I'm taken, you won't. He followed on different routes and different stations. But finally the time came 
when God would take Elijah out of this world and down from heaven came a chariot of heaven. And when he saw that, he said, the uh, horsemen thereof, the chariot of God, chariot of fire coming down. And a whirlwind took Elijah up right in front of Elisha and he saw him. As he left this earth, Elisha had been commanded to see me when I'm taken and he had his eyes on the man at the hour of his departure and down came the mantle. And Elisha had seen Elijah come to the river and take that mantle and smote the water and the waters parted. They came across on dry ground. And now Elijah's gone. He takes the mantle, goes back to the river and smites the water and says, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the waters parted. Yes, the way up is down. But God commands us to let the peace of God rule in our heart. Elisha might have been a prosperous farmer as far as we know. He might have been too busy to follow a simple prophet like Elijah who had no place to lay his own head. But he, he felt something. And I believe we have. When we come into meetings like this, we feel something. God speaks to us. If we haven't done too well this week, you remember that very well on this Sunday morning. And God is speaking to you saying, do it right. Straighten out your act. Do the right thing by all men. Love their brotherhood. Love your enemies. All of that is in the Bible. So we say, I want the peace of God more than the wealth of the world or more than the claims of man. As for me, I'm going to be a disciple of peace and God will love you for it. You'll get the blessing. Other people... You refer, refer to in the Bible. Philippian jailer. A man named Paul and Silas were in jail. In his jailhouse. And they, they took him and beat them with stripes. And they had done nothing but preach the gospel. And delivered a young woman from an abnormal bondage she had. And because of that they were in jail. And at midnight with their feet fastened the stocks. They prayed and sang praises. Amen. Peace of God, I guess so. They had it. They weren't even crying because of all of the uh, uh, bars around them. Oh, I'm not sure I could have done that. But we want to aspire to doing what we must do. We can't be Paul, we can't be Silas, Peter, nor Paul, nor John, none of them, no, no. But we have our own names, and God's called us by name and told us, this is the way, walk ye in it. He's called us to leave the world, the sin and the foolishness and frivolity of that, and to serve God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we do, the peace of God will rule in our hearts. We'll be happy. Yes. You might be poverty-stricken, but you're happy. Might even be sick and in bed for a while, but you'll be waiting for the day when the Lord will heal you. Because when you put on Jesus Christ, you put on the robes of victory. Yes, salvation, of course. Victorious life. Healing for your body, comfort when you're bereaved, help when you're helpless, all of that is there. But the peace of God must rule in your hearts if you're in a state of contention or you have a battle going on within you. You aren't doing what you ought to do. You'll never have your prayers answered. You may win the argument, you'll lose the war. You may spite someone, but nevertheless, you want God to honor you. You won't come that route to get it, but God will help you. So this Philippian jailer, after the earthquake came at midnight when they prayed and sang praises, earthquake came and shook the foundation. The doors were opened. The jailer thought, my life is not my own now. I'll be killed because the prisoners will all escape with the doors open. Not one prisoner left with the doors open. The jailer came to Paul and Silas and said, 
sirs, what must I do to be saved? They told him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thy house, and thou shalt be saved. They did that night. They believed, and the whole household believed, and were even baptized. What a night that was. He thought, the jailer did, he was marked for death. But really, that was the opening for peace, a new life, a new joy. You may think you're at the very end. The road may be dark. You may be at a dead end, seemingly, say, what can I do? I don't know, but God does. Even the hardship you're facing, the questionable trials you must go through, uncalled for, unnecessary, whatever they are, that doesn't matter if you let the Lord fight the battle for you. It'll be won the right, in the right way, and you'll come out victor because God never lost a battle. Leave it in God's hands, it'll be victory. So that man believed and was saved. Now there's a good examples and bad ones in the Bible. Read it, you'll see. Belshazzar, a king, high and mighty, had a drunken party. Thousands of his lords came together in their concubines. They desecrated the, temp the holy vessels from the temple of God in Jerusalem. They had them over there in Babylon, but they didn't use them rightly. They used them to drink their wine out of those golden vessels, just to be as haughty as they could. That's the heart of men, deceitful above all things, wicked, selfish, all of that. Yes, it's there, but there's a way out of that. Your heart can be changed. People need to have a new heart. They need to have me made anew. That's Christianity. That's what the gospel is all about to change people from where they were to where they ought to be, to change direction for their life, not to go the way they're headed, but to turn around and go toward heaven, not to take the low road, but to say, I want the high road, the good road, the road for victory. Nothing like it in the whole world. Without it, you're not complete. With it, you have Jesus, and that's enough. You have the gospel. You have the love of God in your heart, and you have the peace that Jesus gives. What else could there be? That's enough. Let's ask God today to let the peace of God rule in our hearts through Jesus Christ and believe he'll do it. And if we'll just take out the things that ought not to be there by saying, I won't have it. I'm not going to be in it. I'm going to be separate from the world. If you do, he'll receive you. But unless we separate ourselves from the world and say, I'm coming, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put myself in the crucible and let God have his way in my life. If you will, you'll have victory you'll know the peace that Jesus gives. You want it? You want to go on with the turmoil, the questions, frustrations, and doubts, and troubles? You need not. You can have the peace that Jesus gives. It passes all understanding. Thanks be to God for it. You want it? Of course you do, really. Everyone wants it, but let's pay the price to have it. It'll be ours today. We're going to close. We're going to have a season of prayer. We always do. We gather around the, these altars and pray. Or we pray out there in the pews. We ask God to come down from heaven, answer our prayer, join us in doing it today. And if we pray with faith, we'll have the answer this very hour. Amen. We encourage you to come and pray with us, will you? We're standing and singing number 406. The order is open for prayer.